Oh my gosh, that is a mic did drop you? moment. And you just, if you're listening to the tale right now, you need to understand Carmen literally did that off the top of her head. There was no notes, there was no nothing. <laughs> if you do something in a rhythm, like as a part of worship every single week, it, it doesn't, it's not off the top of your head anymore. Yeah. It's literally from like your splasmizo, right? <laughs> That's where it's coming from. Yeah, what does Pentateuch even mean? It sounds like five something, obviously. Five yeah, pen, it's like a it's Pentagon. Pentagon. Yeah, I don't know this stuff. <laughs> I have no doubt about my salvation because I've been saved probably 47 times at church camp. Like, <laughs> oh I have prayed that prayer over and over again. <clears throat> Here's your almanac for tilling the cultural soil with the conversations we plan with humor, faith, and wisdom. Here's your hosts, Dr. Peter Kapsner, Carmen LeBurge, and I'm Nat. Welcome to The Till. Welcome to this episode of The Till. It is the day after Christmas, also known as Boxing Day. Also, technically, the first day of Christmas. Or I, the I, second day of Christmas. It is. Do we it start is. counting Christmas on Christmas or Christmas on the day after Christmas? Is Christmas Definitely day? the day after Christmas, because then you get an extra day of Christmas. No, but there's well, you, like a certain you number of days. You can't do it because you like it you that way, Nat. There's like a there's rule. Like, it's like, like, a I like it. There's Christmas Eve, and then there's Christmas Day, and Christmas Day is the first day of Christmas, and then there are 12 days of Christmas, and then you get to Epiphany. Yes. Well, it which, ends on the 6th, right? Yeah. I don't know. So whatever I, I, I it is, that, sounds like, that totally sounds like math. Sixth I'm not doing it. No, that is. That's, oh, I can't do that math either. Okay, I am going to read a little bit of history here, because okay. otherwise the three of us are going to pool our ignorance and make this up, and that sounds yeah. dangerous. Uh, first so. of all, I'm just excited you referenced Boxing Day. That's not a thing in the States, is it? It's a thing in Scotland for us, and you get an Canada. extra day off. Oh, Canada, Canada too? Oh, oh, maybe. I don't know. I heard about it. I feel it. like we maybe. have listeners in Canada. From I think we do. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So happy Boxing Day. By indeed. the way, I'm Carmen LeBurge oh. in studio with Peter Kapsner and, <laughs> and Nat, Nat Becker. Becker. For those of you who have not joined us on the till before, indeed. welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, so the 12 days of Christmas, usually interpreted to be a countdown to Christmas Day by marketers... Right? Yes, it's of all course. about like, what are you going to buy people for the 12 right. days? Da, 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 da. Right. Actually, not so. In fact, a secret teaching tool for Catholics during the 18th and 19th century. Now, let me just go ahead what? and say Are you serious? If you go to some like Mythbusters website, yeah. they're going to tell you that this is not true. However, who is to say the church historians who have said this was a practice of uh, or the Mythbusters in the 21st century who want to poo poo such? An I mean, idea? it's a great question. I, I'm as much of a fan of uh, Mythbusters as anybody, but I'm going to go with the church on this one. All right. So here we go. While okay. the original songwriter is unknown, the English version first appeared in a children's book in 1780. Okay. So we can go back at least that far. So 1780 in a children's book? Yes. In, in but was England. it hidden and coded or was it? Well, I'm going to get to that. Okay. Dr. Neil. I don't know who Dr. Neil is. <laughs> I don't either, but he sounds important. Uh-oh. Oh, he's a Canadian hymnologist. Who oh, even knew there hymnologist. was such a Not a hypnotist, a, a hymnologist. Holiday. Nat, you're missing your call. You could be a hymnologist, oh, a modern gosh. hymnologist. You, you and Chris Tomlin can hang together. Amazing. Okay? Keep going, Carmen. Okay. In 1979, Canadian hymnologist Hugh McKellar floated the idea that the song was, in fact, a secret code. Whoa. Ah, so maybe the theory of the secret code only goes back to 1979, which sounds very Marianne Williamson-ish, but anyway. Okay, <laughs> totally Sorry, <laughs> Okay, we're going to reject right. the secret code I, idea here. Uh, no, please don't. No, don't no, do it yet. Don't, uh, don't do it yet. Okay. Oh. Oh, All right. Okay. The All right Carol, I'm willing to change. The carol was a secret catechism for Catholics in England when Catholicism was persecuted during the War of Religions from Henry VIII in 1829. Well, that I can get my head around. Like some Dr. Seuss thing, no. But this idea, yes, absolutely. (laughs) The song gave them a chance to teach their kids the knowledge of the saints and the doctrine of the church in a way that Protestants would not crack down on them. So it was a Protestant crackdown on Catholics. And the Catholics wanted to catechize their kids. 
And so they made up a song, which okay. we would totally do today. Yeah. yeah, but if all the Catholic children were just singing this song, I feel like someone would get suspicious. Well, and then the Protestants <laughs> would start singing it because they were all commercial <laughs> Christians, right? Right, of course. And back they then, then yeah. turned it into a marketing. Sure, it was going on YouTube at Total that time. marketing gig. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, you know, to your point, I, we were, again, I, I've been spending a lot of time this fall in Scotland with my family there, but we were literally just at a memorial site in St. Andrews where four Protestants had been killed by the Catholics and then they turned some of the remaining Protestants and turned and uh, assassinated a cardinal. Like, I think we don't always have an appreciation for in England and Scotland and the UK how serious the bloodbath was between Protestants and Catholics back then. So there's really, I think, some ammunition here to suggest that these are some pretty true stories about uh, trying to stay in secret. All right. So here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, every day. Now, for Catholics, and obviously Protestants view this differently, but for Catholics, each day was about the celebration of a particular martyr, a saint, and a feast that was connected with that individual. Boxing Day, for example, you thought I mentioned it just, you know, out of like just out of the blue. I didn't know it was part of this history. It's part of this history. Yeah. Boxing Day, for example, um, considered uh, day two of Christmas. So now we know Christmas Day is day one. Okay, good. (laughs) Today is day two. Thanks to your crack research team. Yes. The the Feast of St. Stephen. (laughs) Oh, yeah. uh, A deacon who gave present boxes to the poor. Boxes, Boxing Day, but like boxes has nothing of what? to do with beating people up. I thought it had to do with like <laughs> cleaning up My the boxes world has been from Christmas on the second day. Apparently, or something. it's about the feast of Saint Stephen and giving boxes. Wait, why would you to give the poor? boxes? Well, boxes full of things. I'm oh. sure. Nat, and, and, it's like regifting day, man. And that's it. And right? Nat, so as part of the crack research team here, Nat, can you look up what St. Stephen put in these boxes? You've got to be able to look this up right now, right? We've got to, we've got to get an answer for while this. I'll I get am, our research while team While I'm okay, celebrating good, the do. information that I have, he yeah. is going to find other information. We okay. about that. So I am aware that uh, living where I live and having a huge um, uh, Coptic community that lives that has really? relocated from Egypt to Nashville. Yeah, we have, we have no idea six Coptic cathedrals. So I happen You're to kidding. know they don't they don't celebrate on the same dates and days that we celebrate right? Easter or Christmas. Right, and so they're not going to celebrate Christmas until what we would consider Epiphany. So they don't start and, until the beginning parts of January. Right, exactly. On what we would consider the twelfth day of Christmas, actually for them is Christmas Day oh, or King's see. Day. That's the day Which, in Spain when the kings well, come to deliver all the presents. So this is the Coptic. Yes. So there you go. So this is the the traditions and the practices related to this yeah. vary widely around the globe Clearly. based on your tradition. So um, now this is another thing for you to research. We got to find out more about the Coptic tradition on this. So back back to it. All right. So then we have this in terms of the way the Protestants have, frankly, you know, thieved. The the Catholic song. Protestants never do stuff like this. Well, we we like to take things and make them our own. Yeah, of course. All right. Yeah. So um, obviously it, they're not about martyrs and saints because in Protestantism, you know, everybody is equally right priesthood of all yes, believers. Yes, priesthood of all right? believers. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, so here we go. <clears throat> uh, the second day, two turtle doves are about teaching the Old and the New Testaments of Scripture. So not surprisingly, the Protestants, uh, Jesus is obviously first. He is the partridge in the pear tree, right? Okay, okay. He, he stands uh, He stands at the pinnacle of this whole thing. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. So who would your true love be in a theological sense? Well, I think it would be God. Yes. Okay. And so on Christmas, <laughs> yes. your true love gave to you a, a partridge, partridge in a pear tree. So that's Jesus. I mean, is the... Is, is what we're talking about. And is there. this verifiable? I'm not trying like, to hide that. No, no, no. But this is true that they really would have seen the partridge as representative of Jesus. 
If, so the story if you, so goes. the story goes. I've okay. never seen a partridge and looked at it and gone, Jesus. No, but also we're if you're talking about trying to hide something in a song, yes. then you're trying to be lyrical, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Neither, I mean, this is a little bit like John writing the book of Revelation in apocalyptic language so that true. he could get it off the island of Patmos without the Roman soldiers knowing what he was writing about, truly. So this and there fish, is a history. Draw, you know, drawing a fish absolutely. in the sand with That's your toe. Exactly, exactly. There is a history of symbolism in our faith. However, if you put a fish on the back of your car, not sort no, of the same yeah, thing. Yeah, no, it's very okay. true. So on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. So on Christmas, God the Father is giving to us this incredible gift, and it is this one and only uh, gift. I like that. Um, symbolizing God's true love uh, in Jesus Christ. On the second day, two turtle doves. Well, what are those? Well, those are considered to be the Old and the New Testaments of right. Scripture. Would it be a surprise to you, Peter, that Protestants would put the Scripture no. right here as second only to Christ in terms of its importance in catechizing kids? No, not at all. I mean, the origins of Protestantism was. Uh, the work of Martin Luther, who was a Catholic monk, and he was sort of struck by the the corruption of the church at that time in which he wanted to reform some specific things called indulgences that the Catholic church was selling in order to fund its ongoing growth. And the indulgences were sold to people that were part of the parish in order to, they, they said if they bought these things called indulgences, they could help get their loved ones out of purgatory. So the whole thing was a pretty messed up doctrine of trying to just get a lot of money and power into the Catholic church. And so Martin Luther, one of his principles uh, of Reformation, probably his primary one, you could maybe say sola fide, which is faith alone. So it wasn't by works that were saved. That's at the heart of Martin Luther's theology. But sola scriptura, the scriptures alone, meaning that what is going to be authoritative for our practice moving forward as believers is going to be the Old and the New Testament. It's no longer going to be sort of the ongoing traditions of the church. It's not maybe going to be some of the sacraments of the church. We're going to lean into the scriptures as authoritative. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, that was when the communion table got slid aside and mm. the pulpit replaced the communion table because of a commitment to sola scriptura. So I could see that two turtle doves would be the Old and the New Testaments. That was the heart of the Reformation. Wow. Third day, three French hens. I can't even imagine. Okay, keep going. Well, you already referenced the first one when you when you elevate faith in the conversation yes. for Protestants, right? You True. you are um, you are you have got your first hen in hand. Okay, so three <laughs> French hens represented uh, the gifts of faith, hope, and love. Interesting. Trying to think. I mean, those are sort of the key words. Are those what are the things that remain? There's a really important passage in Corinthians, right? Is it yeah. faith, hope, and love? Faith, hope, and love. So those are the these three are the three that, that remain. remain. And yeah. the greatest of these is love. Love, which is going to then you're going to repeat back now what you're getting on on the second day, and then you are going to ultimately then reference the first day, uh, of course, right? Because this is the way the song it is does sung, kind of build on itself, right? It builds on itself. Interesting. That's exactly right. Okay. So um, when you have the the three French hens of faith, hope, and love, right? You are then going to. Uh, it, in a process of catechesis, you are going to unpack what is faith yeah. and what is the power of faith? What is the gift of faith? How does that work itself out in the life of a Christian? Um, you know, where does our hope reside? In whom do we hope? What is the hope as an anchor for the soul? You can see how there would be substantive teaching yep. that would go along with each one of these. Yep. And then love, which our culture has made a God of, right. but actually we worship the God who is love, it would give you the opportunity to have that conversation as well. And I think it's important. And Nat, even back to some of our parenting conversations at the start uh, of this episode, the idea, I mean, faith is really this idea of 
surrendering and leaning into God completely on behalf of the unknown future. And so this really is part of the heart of our faith is not all the knowledge that we have, as important as this catechism was, but the heart of our faith is a saying yes to in the present on behalf of an unknown future, knowing that God has your back along the way, even when things are rubbish. So I don't know if that helps you with your parenting, because it does get pretty rubbish at times to to try to figure out how to parent our kids. But uh, maybe they can give you some hope, uh, and as you love. So all three of them are together, your three hens. Maybe maybe just a a little sliver of of, of hope in parenting. I'm still pretty scared. (laughs) There's no hen pecking, by the way. Oh, good. In the fourth. So anyway. So now we're going to have the fourth day, because now we have calling birds. I'm not even looking ahead. I'm really curious what the calling birds are. The four calling birds. Well, okay, let me just ask this question. Okay. If you were to think of the scriptures, particularly the New Testament, and you were to, I was to say, who in the New Testament are the four calling birds? Oh, I mean, clearly the Gospels at this point. There you yeah, go. See, look, you, you've clearly been catechized yeah, in this been. Uh, in this theology <laughs> right no, here, I, I the theology remember. of this 12 Days of Christmas <laughs> and, and I, do, I confess that I do remember looking at earlier, so that, that <laughs> you, you brought that to mind. <laughs> you cheated? I, mm, so, a little. So, a little. Um, so I'm a kid, and yeah. I'm trying to understand um, why we have four Gospels, right. and why are they not exactly the same, but why are they similar? What's going on here, yes. Peter? Well, funny you should ask, I guess, on that. But it's funny. If we think of the Gospels as people sitting down just to write a straight biography of Jesus's life, we miss the point of what the Gospel writers were up to. And so maybe for a different episode, we could mine all of these out. But each Gospel is being written through a process of what's called redaction, or meaning that the Gospel writers took all of the different events of Jesus of which they were aware, all the different teachings, all of uh, the stories that happened, and they would redact them or put them together in a form in order to make a certain theological point. So Mark starts with Jesus's baptism because that climactic moment of that is that the heavens are rent open and God says that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So Mark is all about Jesus being the son of God. And then Matthew starts with this genealogy that goes back to Abraham, and it's because he's writing primarily to a Jewish audience about the king of a kingdom to show the Jews he really was the promised king that came. Luke starts with this sort of tribute to Theophilus that his— Faith can be certain, and Theophilus was a Gentile general. And so Luke is all about the fact that Gentiles are included in this universal salvation to Jews and to Gentiles. And then John starts with all this stuff about light and life and everything. And he was writing later on to combat Gnostic heresies about what true life and true light was about. So if you look at the Gospels through the lens of, hey, these guys just wanted to sit back and write a good story about Jesus, we're missing the point. They're taking information to shape according to the theme of the Gospel. And they can each be studied individually, but yes. they can also be studied in conversation with each other. And that's sort of where we get the, yes. the, the fullest understanding of who Christ is and what he came to accomplish. For and sure. in the days uh, you know, immediately following in the first and second generation of Christianity, how people were understanding not only the faith, Incredible. but the challenges to it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's tremendous. Yep. It, is, it is tremendous. Yep. On the fifth day, we get the five golden rings. Now, oh, I just looked now, at that again. if I were to, we've, we've focused a little on the New Testament. Right with the Ooh, that's a good uh, hint, with the Carmen. four gospels. So hint. now maybe we're going to pivot and we're going to look for five books in the Old Testament that, if we were catechizing a child, we might be interested in teaching them about. What might those <laughs> five books? The five books of there's a person's the, the, name I'm looking for here. Oh, you were going to go ahead and say it. Go ahead. Go use that big fancy like word. The Pentateuch. Right. The Pentateuch. Oh, right. 
Nat is a child who is far beyond his his years. Honestly, like your upside compared to mine at your age is like your <laughs> ceiling is so high. Yeah, like I've already maxed out Pentateuch. at this point. He the fact that you know Pentateuch. Pentateuch at I was this just point. looking for Moses. Like I mean, the right. five books of Moses. Right. Oh, right? yeah. What does Pentateuch even mean? It sounds like five something. Obviously, five books. yeah. Pen, it's like a it's Pentagon. Yeah, I don't know this stuff. <laughs> so, so do you know the first five books of the Bible, Nat? Um, we start with Genesis. Yep. Good. Um, there's Leviticus in there somewhere. Oh, exodus. You, exodus. Yeah. Oh, um, you didn't learn the camp song, did you? No. Go ahead, sing the camp song. <laughs> come on, sing come it. on, come I on. I cannot. No, I don't. I don't even know how it started. You must know. Well, I do know that it's Genesis, Exodus, this, Exodus Leviticus, Numbers, numbers? and Deuteronomy. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know, know how to sing it. I don't know how to sing it. I didn't okay. go to. I didn't go to church camp when I was a kid. You did not. No. Oh, you did miss out. I mean, I there is. Did I miss out or did other people miss well, out? Well, maybe. This I mean, really I will question. say this that I got. If I had been at the same camp you'd have been at because we're about the same age, yeah. you wouldn't have been nearly as popular. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true. I will say, in fairness, I have no doubt about my salvation because I've been saved probably 47 times at church camp. Like, <laughs> oh I've prayed that prayer over and over again. That's that a different topic. Is a topic. Uh-huh. We should till. We definitely need to till that one. Hundred percent. Peter Absolutely. has been saved forty-seven. Times. I'd really That's a lot of times, my name Peter. is written all over the Lamb's Book of Life. Like wow. I will have a fast pass at the heavenly gates because I'm all over that thing. I'm going to move ahead to the sixth. Please day. do. Uh, now remember, we're teaching children. That's right. what the goal of the song is. The song right. Is, okay, that does is, help. Is ways that we can then sit. We can sit back and we can talk about more substantively about these subjects. Yeah. But it's a you know. So there's a memory device being developed here. That's what catechesis was. Right. This is a question answer format. Yep. So instead, this is a this is a song format. All right. So uh, we are now at day six, and we have six geese a laying. Now those um, are to represent the six days of creation. So remember That's now really we've just visited. The first five books of the Old Testament, yep. and now we are going to go to the very beginning of Genesis, and we are going to lay out the first six days uh, of. Oh, we are going to lay out the six days of creation, which I'm not gonna. We're not gonna quiz you on. Well, I was oh, just gonna thanks. ask: Is there any way that the three of us combined, without looking at them, could name all things that are, are the six days of creation? I mean, he created I'm light. Go, I'm going to go first, if that's the <laughs> Okay, you, I already said light. Which one do you pick? No, in the beginning, let there be light. That's all I was going to so do. So that's the only one you I'm know. I'm going with that one. So day one light. Well. I mean, there's waters above and waters below. But I do below. know what's yep. included. Then well, we separate land from water at some point. Yep. There's animals. There's okay, human beings. I like the hovering sun, over sun the chaos. Sun. You guys skipped over the hovering oh, over the chaos. That's Honestly, I find no, that no, really no, that important. Is a, yeah, I don't we, think you can skip over that. Like, no, God, like right, the spirit of the Lord is hovering over the chaos. Right. Tohu vavohu is the phrase in Hebrew that's describing an unfolding chaos. He, it's my all he's trying Hebrew to do word. is re up your you know, introduction of the word Pentateuch. I'm still a little insecure about the Pentateuch. Okay, so say your words again because no, they can. were fancy. Tohu vavohu is what it means to be in this unfolding chaos. Yes, indeed. And and the picture really was is that because creation is a verb, not a noun, it's always unfolding to a certain kind of end. The only question is to what end. And before God introduces light into the equation, it is unfolding a chaotic, meaningless sort of way. It's tohu vavohu. Okay, so can we pause here? I mean, we're gonna put we're gonna set the song, the Twelve Days of Christmas song, on pause. Yep. And we're gonna have a little conversation here. Okay. About the competing worldviews in terms of history. Love that. Mm. Um, because I was asked a question recently, like what is progressive about progressives? And my answer mm. was their view, essentially their view of history. They actually believe that through what human effort, we can make things progressively better. That's one of the biggest lies. And we all know that's not working. Yep. I mean, if that, yeah, I mean, right. that, there's no evidence of any 
I mean, there's human progress, but not in the way that no. they are hoping. There's yeah. not a greater peace among people right. based on humanistic agendas, which is progressivism. It, it absolutely is. I, I would use the phrase the myth of social progress. It is the mistaken belief that we are uh, ever increasing towards shalom in this world when exactly the opposite tends to be true on, on pretty much every metric by which you could evaluate these things, whether it's interactions between human beings. Have we become more loving as a planet? It sure doesn't seem like it to me at this point. I see nothing but anger between people. And uh, for how many generations of racism, that doesn't seem like it can be resolved at this point in time. And for all of the technological advances, can we safely say that my life is better because I have a phone in my pocket? I mean, what has the phone done to the human race in terms of its ability to connect with one another, the rise of anxiety, turmoil, all of that? So these things that we label as progress, I think it's probably important to make, maybe take a step back and say, maybe not so progressive. Even the Industrial Revolution, think about the chaos that that has unleashed upon our globe in terms of just depleting the resources of our planet. And so I think there's a lot of ways that we could talk about the idea of the myth of social progress. To me, that sounds like the opposite of chronological snobbery or like the flip That's a side. great way to say it. Sort what, of, yeah, what do you mean by chronological snobbery? Uh, where you look back on history and just because we're in our present day or something that's happened in the past, it, it loses its value, right? Yeah. So instead of taking it for, you know, what the event or, you know, taking it for its own logical purpose, it's the date or history that nullifies the argument. Yeah, I would say that for every Galileo moment that we've had, where we sort of identify a past way of thinking that needs to be corrected. Maybe the Earth isn't actually the center of the universe, right, Galileo? For every Galileo moment that we've had, I think we've had many more Josiah moments in terms of forgetting that which matters, forgetting ways of life that are meaningful and sustainable. I think we lose those things as we trace uh, or chase down a myth that we think is going to bring life, hope, and peace and actually brings the opposite into our lives. When we think about the whole premise of this program, The Till, one of the things that we are r remarking on is the fact that God created us to live in a garden. Yeah. And yeah. that uh, one day there's going to be a new creation, and the new creation is going to be the new heaven on the new earth. And guess what? It's going to be a garden. Right. I mean, heaven is not going to be this sort of floating Metroplex. barge. Of, yeah, exactly, where we yeah. all get to sit in our house, and it's going to be the renewal, and we're going to have tasks moving forward. I mean, thankfully, I think I would go nuts if heaven was a place. It's not going to be like sitting on clouds floating around. No, no, no. no. If we had to sing Harps. worship songs, like no. an endless loop of worship songs, by no. the time we got to like day 30, be like, I sang that one already, and I'm, I'm sort of done with this thing. So I'd be done by day I, two. I think we're going to definitely have tasks ahead of You're us. You're not going to be bored. I, I I'm just going to promise you that. I know, I know. God, you see, we can never exhaust the infinite reality of God, right? No. And that's what we get to participate that's in. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right, so the six days of creation is the is sort of the underlying conversation of six geese a-laying. And when we talk with uh, our kids about creation the first time around, it gives us the opportunity then to also talk about the new creation. Um, and it also it gives us an opportunity to talk about who we are as stewards of creation right now. And so all of those conversations can be wound up in as you are singing this song with uh, with your fellow man yeah. during these 12 days of Christmas. You can pause and you can say, hey, the six days of creation, let's remind ourselves what those are. Let's also look forward together to the new creation. And then let's remind ourselves that right now we are responsible um, to till the soil of the culture in which we live, that it might produce a harvest of righteousness for our Lord and God.
right, guys. So we have arrived at the seventh day. We on, have. On the seventh day, um, you are going to be tempted because you're naughty. You're going to be tempted, Peter Kapsner. What? You're going to be tempted to about. suggest that one of these is a black swan. I'm just going to. That so, could be. Okay. But the swans <laughs> that are swimming are all good swans. They are. They are. I don't really know what color they are. It doesn't have anything to do with that. No, no, no. So the swans are swimming. The seven swans are swimming are the expressions of the gift of the Holy Spirit. I had never heard that there are seven expressions of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of those. Those come Uh later. That's day nine. These are gifts. Oh, you're right. Is this like teaching compassion? I totally looked I did on this one. I didn't want to be caught unawares again. Oh, my goodness. Could you Google the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? Honestly, I don't have any idea on it. Yeah, we've been asking you to research all episodes. I feel confident that somebody thinks that there are seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right. And I I mean, I'm always curious because you take these gifts. You know me. I was totally thinking fruit. I know, but we're going and we're we're headed that well, direction. Well, you know, let me just go ahead and say that I don't think research is the gift of the spirit given to either one of us. Uh, well, clearly, <laughs> clearly not at this point. Extemporaneous speech. Yeah. If that is bloviating, if that is that, a gift, bloviating is a great word <laughs> for this. If that is a gift, yeah. you and I have both yeah, received I would, it. I would say in spades. Okay, when you think okay. of the gifts of the spirit that you've been tested for, what what are yours? Mm-hmm. What do you already know yours are? Well, see, that's I never know if I can trust those inventories. Well, which right? one? So teaching was one. All right, one yes. of mine is exhortation. Not a surprise. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, I think that. All right, fits. what do you got? I can't us? ever remember what they all are. Anyways, but these are what the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are, according to our wonderful and favorite like uh, Wikipedia. Encyclopedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> so we so we know it's reliable. <laughs> Wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. That's not seven. Could you read them again? Yeah. Maybe I missed one. That's seven. Read them one more time. Read them again. Uh, Yeah. Wisdom. Wisdom. Understanding. Understanding. Counsel. Counsel. Fortitude. Yep. Knowledge. Yep. Piety. Yep. And fear of the Lord. But aren't we all supposed oh, to have fear of the Lord? These are gifts? Or do you just, is every, does every believer get every one of these? Well, here's the thing. If they are expressions of the gift, then the spirit is the gift. You, you are possessed of the Holy Spirit. And yep. I suppose with the spirit come the gifts, hmm. which would mean all of us have some responsibility to be cultivating all of these. Yeah, that would seem I mean, to make some sense. I mean, you're all supposed to cultivate wisdom. You don't, like, get I mean, a pass right? for, like, being a fool. Oh, well, right? <laughs> and these were not part of the gifts inventory that I would have had in church. Truly. No, it's there was, like, administration or something. Yeah, no. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what so is true. that? Like, that is so Western <laughs> to put administration on the here's, list. Here's your get, desk. Thanks oh, for the gift. Yeah, yeah. I know. Or, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. I remember but, the guys that would be like, um, yeah, no, that's not fun. So if we can stop on that for a second, though, what's the difference between wisdom and understanding. I think we stumped ourselves on this well, one. Well, I have an answer, but I was waiting because it looked like Nat had an answer. Yeah. Well, I thought I did, and then I realized that it wasn't particularly wise or understanding. So <laughs> that's fair. What do you? <laughs> well, I do think that you can. Uh, well, this I, maybe the bigger question is what's the difference between understanding and knowledge? Okay. Because it does feel like knowledge is about information, mm-hmm. the gathering Agreed. of information. Understanding is, okay, you have heard it. Do you actually have ears to hear? Uh, that makes sense. There's almost a bit of discernment in that, it seems I like. think so. Yeah. Yeah. I would okay. say that understanding is another word for discernment. And okay. then wisdom, um, wisdom feels like a simple acknowledgement, the yeah. difference between knowledge and acknowledgement. So wisdom is the living as if it is true. Yeah. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that. Which Absolutely, makes sense. Okay. which is a nice loop together. since it's down there at the end. It is indeed. So th- you don't just get one what of these is, things. What is fortitude? That is the ability to stick with something, isn't it? So there's a yeah. perseverance business yeah. here, yeah, exactly. which I would totally agree is a gift of the Spirit. I because agree. absent the Spirit, none of us would persevere. No, that's so We true. would all give up and give in and be yep. naughty. 
<laughs> That's very true. Counsel? Like what? I, I've never heard of counsel being an expression of the gifts of the Spirit. Okay. So when um, this is my counsel conversation that I frequently have okay. with Matthew, yep. who professes to be a Christian, but infrequently acts like one. And he's your, so he's 15 year old son? He's 14, 14. but remember okay. now developmentally, he's right. more like eight or nine. Right, right. All right. So, but he, he says he's a Christian, right? And he does possess a knowledge of what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he will be visibly tempted to be doing something that he clearly knows he's not supposed to do. And I, I, I can and, hardly sympathize. And I will him. say now, Matthew, if you know, you, you've, you've said you're a Christian, that means that the Holy Spirit is living within you. So if you ask right now for help, yeah. The Holy Spirit will help you make the right decision. The Holy Spirit will help you do the right thing. Like that is available to you. I think that is the counsel. Okay. I think that's super the gift. Fair. Of, it's that's the gift of fair. the ever present counsel of yeah. God in yeah. you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, I think that's fair because there's been times where Hallie and I have been counseling premarital couples, for example, and you don't really know for sure if you're getting the real story that's going on in the relationship or some version of that story. And in those moments, Hallie and I are constantly in prayer saying, which direction do we need to go based on whatever the real story is right here? And you do sort of get those prompts, don't you, in terms of which direction to go? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then we have um, the eighth day. Uh, eighth On the eighth day, there's eight maids of milking, right? These would yeah. be the eight Beatitudes. And this is, again, this is where my scriptural knowledge falls short. I mean, I can name a few of the Beatitudes, but are there oh, but eight? All you have to do is be able to find them. Matthew. Matthew 5, right? right? At least then I can there, get there. there. There's a repeated list in, in Luke. And I think that that is That's really true. interesting. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we would turn to Matthew chapter five and then we would invite Nat to read them. That would be great because I know it starts with blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then there's things about being meek and persecuted and stuff like that. But yep. we've got one of them. So I'm giving you a little time to look it up here, Nat. He's already got there? it, man. Oh, he's got it right now. Yeah. Oh, read you are that good. Research. I'm good at I'm it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. So that's number two. Yep. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the land. I love that one. Blessed are those, um, they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Mm. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That's five. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. I always heard pure of heart. That's an interesting way to say it. Okay. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Honestly, that sounds like eight more episodes of The Tale. I would love to dig into each one of those a little bit more because those are really profound statements and I'm pretty certain I don't understand entirely what Jesus is up to in saying those things. What does it mean to inherit the earth? What does it mean to see God? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? All of these things I think would be great topics. Okay, so now you're sort of in the catechetical spirit of this I whole really exercise. Am. I because really am. that's So that's basically what they did. They had these 12 days of Christmas, and then they spent the rest of the year essentially doing what you and I would consider the question and answer catechesis, yeah. unpacking each one of these Love things um, over the course of time, yeah. right? But this sort of gave them a framework from which to work, or we're hypothesizing that it did because someone said so, well, a, hy- exactly. a hymnologist. <laughs> but at the very least, I think <laughs> we, are say, we are hypnotized by the possibility. Well, I think this, I mean, to go, if we're training our kids primarily through veggie tales these days, this would be a really helpful way to get into the text would be through some of these uh, days of Christmas. I really That's like exactly it. right. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to get to what I thought we were getting to with the swans and we're <laughs> yes. getting there instead with the Got ladies. excited about day nine, didn't you? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. So on the ninth day, we have nine ladies dancing. These are the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. So I, I'm, can I just take issue with this really quickly? Mm. 
my understanding is is that in the original language of the Greek, there's only one fruit that you get. It's the fruit right. of love, and then it's manifested in all these different ways. I think ways. that's exactly right. In fact, uh, okay? the other way that I've heard it is the gift is the Holy Spirit. Oh. And then with the gift of the Holy Spirit come these expressions yeah. of the presence of the Spirit in your life. Okay. Um, and so the, the Holy Spirit is present. Whether or not uh, the fruit is present at all or yeah. in ever greater abundance. That's going to be the till question, right? That's a, that's a harvest question. If I look around in my own life and I see, um, I do a fruit inspection, (laughs) right? Yeah. And I say, Hmm, okay. So in my basket of fruit, uh, in my life, there is some love. There's clearly some joy. Yeah. Um, mm, peace could use some work patience. Hmm. That, that is not, in, not in a growing abundance, yeah. right? And you work your way down the list. I might be a really generous person um, and I might be kind, but I might be lacking in some other areas. And yeah. so in terms of the way that I could then maybe ask an accountability partner mm-hmm. um, or ask women uh, with whom I am in fellowship at church to say, okay, this next year, I would really like for you to hold me accountable as like a fruit inspector. Yeah. Um, you know, when you see that this fruit is, uh, you know, that I am doing something contrary to the production of this fruit in my own life, um, let me know. Yeah. Let me know. Because I really want to be attentive to the spirit and I really want to be a person in whose life there's an ever greater harvest of these things. Yeah, I think. And I, I love those passages when Jesus says things like, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And I heard some teaching at a pretty early stage in life where the pastor is making the point saying, this is not about you trying a lot harder to bear the fruit. This is about you becoming the kind of person who's abiding in the vine or in the case of the till that we actually have the right kind of soil in which to plant these things. So the fruit begins to naturally emerge from our lives. So when I am struggling with one of these realities that you've walked through, whether it be peace or patience or faithfulness or whatever it all is, the invitation is not, I'm going to try harder tomorrow. The invitation is what is amiss in my own heart that needs to be replanted in some ways by the great gardener that being Jesus in these moments. So this fruit can naturally be born in my life. And that is an episode also on pruning. It is for sure. Right. And, and the willingness to be pruned and allowing God to prune us is really, really critically important, particularly for those of us that have been walking in, you know, in the faith for a fairly long period of time, we, we do tend to, you know, our vines get old and, they're not as productive as maybe they once were. And it is time in many cases to uh, invite God to uh, to prune us. Indeed. Well, and that makes it a gift too, right? Because then does. I'm not That's striving really to within uh, of myself to improve. Not, not that I'm not trying to improve, but it's not a function of me. It's rather a function of, of the gift, you know given to us by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think it was Dallas Willard who said that uh, as we abide, as we do that kind of work, the fruit is naturally but supernaturally born from us. There is this partnership that is mysterious though real between us and God in terms of the agency to bring things forth. All right, guys, we are now on the 10th day. We have 10 lords a-leaping, and they represent, well, what comes to mind Mm. when you think of the number 10 and you think of the scriptures? Nat, did you look ahead? Because I did. I don't want to cheat on this one. I didn't. I didn't cheat. Okay, but what might come to mind? 10. Uh, It rhymes with remandments. uh, (laughs) Does that help at all? Does that prompt your thinking at all, Nat? Would that that maybe? 10 commandments. You are remarkable. Your scriptural knowledge knows no end. So... Uh, Peter, I'm. It's like a pop quiz. I'm I know, so, so sorry. So that you, I'm blaming you. I wish you were like 
Bible class, really and I true. didn't come out knowing all this. Uh, that's actually, you know, wow. I, 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 you know what? That well deserved. Well, now you're well, in Carmen's Bible well, class, so let's see if well we can get that spotted. fixed. <laughs> all right. Oh, that's well so spotted. We, so well, the been, Ten Commandments. We've been spend, trying to name them. Can we name them? You can spend a lot of time on the Ten Commandments. You can. Yeah. Go right ahead. Well, I don't know if I can name them all. <laughs> As Nat has already revealed my lack of biblical <laughs> awareness, but there's some. There, there's you don't the, have that, no other no, gods. no other gods in front. No yeah. graven images. Um, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Uh, Every single one of these, by the way, could be an episode. Of uh, totally. That's, I'm right? pretty sure the next one is honor your father, honor your father and mother. mother. Yep. And then there's stuff about coveting, lying, murdering. Adultery. Adultery. And um, dang, there's one more. Not bear Did we false get murder? So murder, murder. False witness. False witness. We should have done the murder. Coveting. Order. That might have been We really helpful. did. I kind of did Nat's well that. probably ready Adultery. to read them. Nat, give us the Ten Commandments yes. as um, a list. Well, okay. You can just go to Exodus 20 We're missing if you're one. looking for a source. We're missing one. We have, you, um, we did No Other Gods Before Me. Yep. Then uh, No Graven Images. Right. Then You Will Not Take the Lord's Name in Vain. Yep. Sabbath. Yep. Oh, uh, I think we missed Sabbath. Honor your no, Sabbath. father and mother. Yeah, we're in five. Uh, no murder. Yep. No adultery. No stealing. Uh, no false witnesses. Ah. And, and no, no coveting. coveting. I think I forgot stealing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here's the good news. You yeah. guys can rewind the till and you can <laughs> see. <laughs> yes. We are having our own personal catechism. This is quite exciting. So, so Nat, have you ever stole anything in your life speaking of the commandments? Like I stole some lifesavers from the store when I was five years old at one point. That was like my main theft, I think. <sighs> We're next asking about not other commandments that we've okay, okay. <laughs> I wasn't because, even going there wow, but that's, that's super fair okay like yeah. um I was you know, gonna only ask like, if you skip Sabbath sometime where is your mind Carmen well all right <laughs> it's very fair so back to the question Nat have you ever well, there wasn't quite anything? enough distraction to move on yeah no 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 yeah so Nat I know I was trying to get us to move on and he just like went right no 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 back. this is a question our listeners yeah. are demanding the answer for Nat <laughs> I uh, I don't think I actually have. Wow. <laughs> He's so much more sanctified than really I is. ever had hoped to be. I am yeah. not answering that question okay, we in will public not. in front of other people. <laughs> <We> <laughs> <laughs> is not indictable, but even so, That's we exactly won't ask the question. Right. All right. Um, okay. Enough. So the Ten Commandments would yeah. certainly be a part of traditional catechesis. Yeah, for sure. So the Ten for Commandments, sure. the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed, those were the substance mm-hmm. of uh, of catechetical teaching. And I know that you have, you, you know, you've taught on this at length, so I'm not certainly not telling you anything that you don't already know. Um, but if we were going to catechize our kids today, we would want to do so using the Ten Commandments as well. They're not irrelevant. Yeah, yeah they're not um, So do they still apply? Oh, I mean, when Jesus talks about the idea that I haven't come to abolish the law, but I've, I've come to fulfill it in every jot and tittle of that law, I think to get at the heart of what these commandments are about. And clearly they're part of a bigger section of scripture where God is calling Israel to orient itself towards a covenant. They were just coming out of slavery. They didn't remember who they were hardly even as God's chosen people. And so the 10 commandments are sort of these pinnacle ideas of if you live by this reality, you will experience peace and shalom in your community. And you think about that a little bit. I mean, just if there is never any murder in the world, for example, I would never be afraid walking through a city, for example, I, if there's never any deceit in the world, I would never be suspicious of another human being. And so be- women would still be afraid, even if there was no murder. You think so? Yeah, because rape is a bigger threat. Oh, of course. I'd rather, you know, no, like, right. right, that conversation right, right. is a big one. That, that's right. Yeah. And there's so much. So yeah. the fear thing, I think it's a, it, that, right? There's yep. a, all of these matter to us in different ways. They totally ways. do. They really, yeah. and they are the yeah. heart of shalom in a community. So 
So um, after that, we've got the 11th day, which is 11 pipers piping, and those are the 11 apostles. I was really confused by this so one. Aren't there 12? Yeah. Well, well, well they, I know who Judas. Who are we not going to talk about? Well, right, but they ended and up. And then he gets replaced. I know. Yeah. And I mean, so and that guy, you know, nobody even knows who that was. Well, Matthias. <laughs> I know, but I mean, do but you ever hear anything about no, him? No, but I would love to explore sometime why were they rolling dice or bones or whatever they were rolling right. to decide? I mean, so there, write it down, Matt. There's a 12 more episodes yes. for the till. We're going to unpack who each one of those apostles were, what yeah. they did, who they were, where they ended up, how they were martyred. I know. And like, all, right? of them, Wait, all of them are killed in Except for. We're going to have 13 episodes on that. Although the Matthias episode might well, be kind of short. I totally want that one, though, because he's kind of the right. junior varsity apostle, and I really want to know more about his story. All right. I got a guy we can call and find Good. out more. Oh, thank you. All That'd right. And then we've got on the 12th day, 12 drummers drumming. Now, these represented the 12 points of uh, the Apostles' Creed. There is no chance I can even give you one point of the Apostles' Creed. Really? No, no, no. I don't know the creeds. I believe in God, the Father oh, Almighty, the, the maker creed? of heaven and earth, oh, and in Jesus Christ, like his this. only Son, okay. our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost and now born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sitteth on the right hand uh, of the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I, don't know I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Oh my gosh, that is a mic did drop you? moment. And you just, if you're listening to the tale right now, you need to understand Carmen literally did that off the top of her head. There was no notes, there was no nothing. So, okay, so here's the thing your you Sunday so- school class was way more advanced <laughs> no, no. than mine. If you do something in a rhythm, like as a part of worship every single week, yeah, that's true. It, it doesn't, it's not off the top of your head anymore. Yeah. It's literally from like your the guts, the, oh, the splasmizo, right? <laughs> that's where it's coming from. Um, so, yeah, that is way down there. That but, teaching is way down there. Yeah, but those are profound statements, too. I, I mean, they are I, 12 weeks of the till. They really on are. The 12 Apostles weeks of the, Creed. And I tear up at almost every one of them, actually. Absolutely. I mean, I really do. Yeah, There's I mean, I went through really them really profound, fast. But, no, the, yeah. but to, to be able to say, I believe, and then follow it with each one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I believe Jesus is coming again. Yeah. And when he does, he's coming to judge yep. the living and the dead. I believe in, you know, the Holy Ghost and in, in, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in, and we talk about the Holy Catholic Church. We're talking about the universal reality of the church. We're talking right. about John chapter 15. I mean, like, right, there's a lot, there's a lot to plow there. Yeah. A lot I, to plow. I, for some reason, I hadn't associated those statements with the Apostles' Creed, but when my son was baptized last summer, the heart of his invitation into those waters of baptism were those statements that uh, Hallie, his mom, and I read these statements aloud, and he he then offered a confession. And we played Andrew Peterson's song about the Great Confession, and he walked into those waters of baptism. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, it was as if heaven and earth were all sort of one in a quick given moment there as somebody decided to walk into the eternal story like that. It was a beautiful moment. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So those are the 12 days. Those are the 12 days of Christmas. How are you going to um, celebrate the 12 days of Christmas with your family? Well, honestly, at this point, I mean, as we're taping this episode, tomorrow is when I fly off to Scotland, and I would love to take each one of these days and talk through these with our kids a little bit. I'm going to do a little bit more research, I will say, to find out if this hymnologist really was referencing (laughs) uh, something that was true between the Catholics and the Protestants. But I think that idea of the the catechism here as as training up our kids is really an important one. Okay, so for the people in the next studio so they don't panic i'm going to leave the two of you to finish this up that's great it's been uh it's been a pleasure today i'll see you on the next episode of the till that sounds good nat these uh 12 days as we're sort of wrapping up the time yeah. here on the till so what out of those days and maybe we're talking gifts of the spirit we're talking the beatitudes we're talking the 10 commandments the 11 apostles are there certain topics ideas thoughts teachings that you think gosh i'd love to mine that out a little bit more oh so much of that well so the um 
was it seven gifts of the spirit or whatever? Like I've never know. heard of those. Yeah, before. why have I never heard of this? I don't know. So I I, I got to know more. Yeah, I, and what were they? I mean, they were understanding, wisdom, counsel, fortitude. Yeah, the fear of the Lord. Those are five of the seven that I remember. Yeah, I closed the tab. Yeah, that's okay. But it was just, it's interesting, and I think if I can go back to a second, um, yeah, to the idea of the historic split between the Protestant the Protestants mm-hmm. and the Catholics, and what would have given rise to even this desire to catechize the kids in this way to make sure that their faith is certain. And in all of that, I, I, the divide between these two faiths, it seems like it's coming closer together. I would love to hear from your generation, because again, the generation in which I grew up, the reason even why you got confirmed, why you got confirmed in the early church is confirmation was coming up out of the waters of baptism. You were anointed with oil as symbol that the Holy Spirit and real that the Holy Spirit was now active in your life. Confirmation became something later, which is I'm going to believe certain things to show that my faith is secure as a soldier of Christ against the hated Protestants or against the hated Catholics, for example. In your generation, do you see, I mean, it's such a religious melting pot and a religious nun generation. Do you see some of this animosity still between the two faiths? I think there's a pretty big pushback against you know, having anything that's so so structured like historically. Yeah, and, and maybe that goes into some of that chronological snobbery of we've moved on and forward. Uh, but uh, you, you know, I would have maybe loved as a kid to have more of a of a structured, you know, set of you know what what all do we believe? Like like we've gotten yeah. there now, but there's definitely something missing in in not you know, sort of running through some of these some of these basics at a, at a really core, deep level. Yeah, I think what they also do, too, is they connect us to that larger story. In a time where we are increasingly, as individuals, being empowered to live our own lives, which is really our own story, mm-hmm. when we go through these, these days of Christmas like this and think about the bigger story, that our, our lives really are a vapor. They really are a whisper in terms of how quickly they go. And there's a much bigger story of which we're meant to be a part. And that's part of what even just in, in tilling out, as we talk about on this podcast, The Cultural Soil, that's what we want to do is be always anchored in the larger story, in the larger picture, because right. it so often helps us understand the issues of the day. No, totally. That's that's what we strive to do. Well, that is what we will do on each episode, uh, week in and week out here on The Till, as we address different dimensions of our faith, how they intersect with the cultural conversations of the day. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on The Till. Till.